how low can this market go? Well, in 1929, the stock market saw a loss of over $30 billion, wiping out thousands of investors. In 1980, the market dropped over 20% in a single day. In 2008, a 45% drop. And in 2020, as all of you recall, a 35% drop in one month. Each of these, a terrifying event for retirees and investors alike. So how can we learn from these past events and make better decisions moving forward? Well, on today's episode of the Mach 1 Market Moment, you'll hear how we here at Mach 1 invest to make sure that this time is different. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at Mach1FG.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to Mach1FG.com for more information. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. This is episode 88. Wow, can't believe that. Today, we're talking about just how bumpy this market ride might get. The market's been so volatile since the start of the new year, some folks are asking, is this the big one? I've never had pains like this before. Oh, this is the worst one I ever had, son. Oh, it's the worst one. This is the big one. I'm dying. You hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. For those of you that remember the Sanford and Sons show, you'll probably remember Fred Sanford always claiming, this is the big one, Elizabeth, this is the big one. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of investors out there who think, today, this is the big one. Anytime we see a significant movement in the market, they're thinking, this is it. So today, we want to take a look at the history and see what it tells us. We also want to evaluate what negatives and what positives we have in the market right now. And we want to talk about how our investments have been holding up in this type of dip in the market and how they're designed to show their strength when the market actually goes down. So first, what's the market doing now? Well, since about the first of the year, um, you know, the Dow's dropped or the S&P, I should say, has dropped about 10 percent off its most recent high. So um, from my perspective, it just looks to me like we're in the midst of a normal and healthy correction in the market after you know we went through this year and a half roughly uh, after the covid shutdown in march of 2020 the market almost doubled in a year year and a half that that rate of growth that pace of growth is clearly unsustainable so at some point if that if that rate of growth is unsustainable the market either has to move sideways for a while or has to go down before it kind of gets back on a sustainable trajectory. So that's what's been happening lately. I think we're just in the midst of a normal, healthy, needed correction. So David, you call this correction normal. 
Eli, you have some numbers that tell us what normal really is. What does a normal downturn look like? Mm -hmm. Well, what we're seeing right now, this around 10 to 15% correction, you can expect to see that just about every other year. We've been spoiled recently because it hasn't happened since the crash in 2020 and then before that 2018. But if you think about that, that's just about every other year. And so you can expect to see this. Now, on the return side, it normally comes back within one to four months from the 10 to 20% correction. A 5 to 10% drop, you'll see that almost every year. That, whoa, 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 whoa. So you think we're supposed to see a 10% drop every year? 5 to 10%. 5 to 10%, somewhere in there. So we shouldn't be getting excited when the market goes down 5 to 10%. No. In fact, I mean, I've got some data here in, in front of me. Uh, since 1946, which is 75 years ago, uh, we've seen 5 to 10% corrections 84 times. So that's actually slightly more than once per year on average. So, yeah, these, these 5 to 10% corrections are quite normal. But to your point, Eli, we've just been through a period where the market has gone you know, pretty much straight up with very little correction to the downside. And so everybody kind of gets investors, <clears throat> even advisors to, a, to an extent, gets lulled into, you know, kind of a sense of security and a sense of forgetfulness, if you will, that, you know, market corrections do indeed happen. Mm -hmm. Now, when we say 5 to 10% downturn per year, that doesn't mean at the end of the year, the market's down 5 or 10% every year. We know right. that's not true. But sometime within the within year, the year. Mm -hmm. there is a drawdown, a pull down, a correction of between 5 and 10%. So we shouldn't get excited. That's right. Um, and also, just to give you a little bit more data here, uh, 10 to 20% corrections in that same 75-year period have happened 29 times. So that's on average once every, every two and a half years. So... Uh, 10 to 20% corrections aren't even that abnormal. And we've talked on here before about how we believe in hedging. Uh, it's a critically important um, aspect of the way that we manage portfolios for clients. We don't even hedge, as you've heard us talk, if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, we don't even hedge for the first 10% drop um, because of this, these statistics that you're hearing about right now, because those 10% corrections happen so frequently that uh, the cost of that hedge would be too expensive if we tried to hedge against that. So this is not the big one, right, Fred? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, right, none of us obviously have a crystal ball. We don't know where the market's going. We don't know if this is the, the start of an, the next big uh, correction, recession, depression, whatever you want to, whatever dramatic word you want to throw at it. Um, my, my hunch, my gut feeling, if you will, is that this is not the start of the next big one. No, but um, in fact, you know, kind of on that note, we're going to talk about this is, uh, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of positives to look at out there. Well, there are a lot of positives and we like to look on the positive side. But you know what? There are some negatives. What are some of those negatives we're looking at right now? Well, the first one and one that we've talked about several times in the past is inflation at an all time high. I think I I went to fill up my pickup truck and three quarters of a tank of gas cost me almost one hundred dollars. And, and that, yeah. that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so there's inflation, there's federal reserve telling us that they're going to raise the, the interest rates. There's also supply chain shortages. We're, we're seeing supply chain shortages across America and the world. 
and then that's that's causing increases in retail, grocery stores, that's causing inflation. But then one of the final things and the the negative news is is how you can view negative news. It's it's easier and it's our human nature to always view negative news as the more powerful news. So you may watch the news story and they give you one or two positive things. They tell you three or four negative things because negative things are what sells the news. And then you'd latch on to those negative things. You think, oh, inflation's coming. There's no way I'm going to make money this year. I better sell off. Uh, we have a, a news ex-news producer sitting here, and he would tell you that uh, if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> right, Matt? <laughs> and Matt's shaking his head. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve and raising of interest rates. We hear that they're going to do it. We don't know how much, how often. But how would that impact the supply chain shortages? We know that's driving part of the inflation today. You can't get a new vehicle or stuff at the grocery store. So what's there, people are paying more for it. I talked to a guy yesterday, happens to be a vice president of operations for a, a local dealership. He says, we don't have very many cars, but everyone we have, we have a list of people to call, and they buy them. There's no dealing. There's nothing like that. So everyone they're selling, they're selling at a premium price. Okay, so we raise interest rates. How is that going to help our supply chain shortage? Well, it's, it's not going to help it. If anything, it's going to make it worse, but it's certainly not going to help it. Um, and, you know, you look at, uh, let's talk about uh, the uh, – it's going to help in the housing market. We've talked about that before, right? Because if you raise interest rates, theoretically, that should slow down borrowing for housing. So it'll hopefully cool down the housing market by a little bit, but certainly not going to help the supply chain shortage. In fact, like you, like we just said, it could exacerbate that problem. But again, like Eli, like you said, we could sit here and just lament all day long about all the negatives, right? Mm -hmm. But there are some bright spots out there. What are some of those? Well, what drives the stock market? There's a lot of different factors, but the main factor that I would presume, there's, there's the Federal Reserve, but there's also good business. And quarterly earnings right now are still strong within companies. We're, we're in an earnings cycle right now, and it's coming back strong. The, the company's finished out 2021 with, with strong earnings, and that's a good driver of the, of the total stock market. Consumer spending is still strong. People are still going on trips. They're still buying houses. They're still getting married. There's there's many different things happening. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Getting married? Is that something personal you want to <laughs> well, tell us about? That that one's personal. We're, I'll be married in April, so I know that that's a driver of economic forces here. <laughs> well, let's hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. Housing indicators are still strong. There's there, We're still seeing... An, large increase of housing being built as well as being purchased. Is that even. personal too? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> also personal. <laughs> Demographics, like you just said, um, we did a podcast on that very topic. Just, I don't know, maybe episode before last, I want to say something like that. Um, it's a key driver. It's always been a key driver uh, for uh, economic activity within the U S and I believe it will continue to be true. And if, if that, if I'm right about that, then like we said on that podcast a few weeks ago, we would anticipate consumer spending to be strong through the mid-2030s just due to demographic forces. Mm -hmm. So we've got, you know, companies are making all-time profits. You, all you got to do is watch the news on that, and it'll tell you, all right? You see their stock price going up. Most consumers, they, they do. They, they still want to spend. A lot of them have more money now than they did before the pandemic. So there is that pent-up demand. People want to travel. Uh, I know I've been wanting to travel, can't hardly get anywhere, do anything. Things get keeps getting canceled. 
Housing indicators, like you said, people still looking for a house. I mean, especially here in northwest Arkansas, the prices are just nuts. So, and if the interest rates do go up, that may slow some of that down. And the demographics like you guys have spoken about. I uh, heard on another podcast last week, David, uh, this crazy market, all the volatility. And, and like we're saying here, it's normal. This is normal. we got to expect it. And they use the analogy of housing in Florida. You're like, what? Well, people in Florida know there's going to be a hurricane. Maybe not every year, not every two years, but sooner or later, there's going to be a hurricane. So what do they do? Do they wait till a hurricane comes and sell their house and move? <laughs> no. They prepare for it. They build their house to sustain it. And that's what we would recommend. We know the market's going to have this about every year, some downturn, about 10% during the year. We prepare for it, and we do it via hedging. That's right. We want to prepare for the downside. So this is not the big one. It's expected. And so if you expect it, then you prepare for it. And how do you prepare for it? Well, you develop a financial plan with a fiduciary like Mach 1 that will cushion or insulate your portfolio from the potential downsides. And we know they're coming, so be ready for them. David, you have some analogies too. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, one of the examples I often give clients as to how we try to mitigate or dampen the volatility in their portfolio is um, if you've ever been on a cruise ship, you know, they've got these big stabilizers that kind of uh, shoot out from the sides of the ship to to dampen the volatility, if you will, the rocking and rolling that you can get on the waves of the ocean. Well, we do that through hedging. That's one of the ways we dampen the volatility or attempt to dampen the volatility. And we do it through solving the for income first. So if you're in or near retirement, retirement is really nothing more complicated than a income problem. If you have as much or more income coming in each month than you have expenses going out through um, and, and when I say income, I mean income ideally from guaranteed sources like pensions, Social Security, uh, annuities, things like that. If you have enough guaranteed income coming in each month that's equal to or greater than your expenses, guess what? You don't have to worry too much about the inevitable volatility of the market. And, and David, that's all part of developing that financial plan. How much you plan to spend? What's the income need, and how do we solve for that? Mm-hmm. One question that I'm this may scare many of the listeners when I when I say <laughs> this is a market crash. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> is a market crash going to happen? Yes. Yeah. Do we know when, why, or how it's going to happen? No. Right. All we can do is exactly what David was talking about. There is build a plan around the expectation of if it does happen we're not going to be stressed about it and neither will the people who are invested with us at Mach 1. Is a hurricane going to hit Florida? Yes. Do we know when? How bad? No. So you prepare for it. Mm-hmm. That's why this time is different. This time is different and this is not the big one. That's right. And and you know I want to um, end on a positive note. Uh, we kind of talked earlier about thinking about the positives. I think that's so important to do. Um, l- last week uh, we were stuck at home because of the snowstorm, uh, and so I had a chance to watch a little bit more news during the course of the day than I normally have the opportunity to, and it kind of reminded me about, frankly, um, you know, the boat that a lot of our retiree clients are in. They're retired. They're, they have more time to watch news at home, 
And what is the news? You, you said it earlier. It, it's almost all negative. And so sure enough, you know, a negative headline comes up and, and they're constantly, you know, beating that negative drumbeat all day. So as soon as you see something bad happen in the market, you think, oh, it, it really is the big one. So you do have to, it is a discipline to focus on the positives. You know, in, in Philippians chapter four, it says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things and then dot, 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 paraphrasing, and then the peace of God will be with you. So you do, it is important to discipline your mind to think about the positives. And I think with that, we can tell Elizabeth she's going to have to wait. This is not the big one. All right, we like to end the day with a thought of the day, and this is from Winston Churchill. The positive thinker sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. The positive thinker sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. That's it for today's episode of the Mach 1 Market Moment. We are sure glad you joined us today. We hope you share this with a friend, and we look forward to you joining us for episode 89 of the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-1financial.com disclosures.